0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Well, kids, if you haven't gone yet... You can go to Woodside Kids. You'll, you'll enjoy things this morning. The environment over there is set up very nicely. Um, parents, feel free if you want to take them there. You certainly may. Um, you can see the environment that's there, but the, um, the gals will, will take them safely and carefully uh, over to Woodside Kids. Uh, this morning, uh, we'll continue, actually, we'll conclude our series in First John, so you can certainly turn there uh, this morning. Uh, 1 John chapter 5 is where we'll end up, because chapter 5 is the last chapter of 1 John, so that kind of makes sense. Uh, next week, we look forward to starting a new series, still in the Gospels, this time going to Matthew's Gospel, looking at two chapters in that in that in that book, that Jesus is discoursing. It's called a discourse. He's discussing this, um, this reality that something significant is going to happen. He gives some words of description of the coming destruction of Jerusalem, signs of his coming when he comes to set up his kingdom, and evidence that we are in the last and so it's a pretty exciting time, especially in how we've come out of this season. Our culture is kind of still coming out. But a lot of people have been asking that question of, is this the last days? Is this, is this the sign that Jesus is very close in his coming? And I, I think as we answer some of those questions, we'll see that what we know about the future will help us know how to live in the present. A lot of times we get wrapped up in the future and we forget that that's all, anything Jesus said about the future was so that we would know how to live in the now. So our series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today. So we're super looking forward to that. Feel free to read through Matthew 24 and 25 if you'd like to prepare your hearts for that over the week. Well, here we are, new season of ministry at Algenac. Uh, As Bill said, maybe you can envision what's going to happen, but just so you know, that space right there is going to be kids' ministry, a space just about as big as what we're going to have for adults, all right? Because we believe so strongly that we have a responsibility to commend the faith to the next generation. God has commanded every generation to commend the faith to the next generation. So that's us, so we're going to invest heavily there. Uh, we, we believe that our kids matter. They matter to God, they matter to the church, and they desperately need to know Jesus personally. And so we're going to do all that we can to help commend that faith that you possess uh, into the hearts of, of their hearts. And no, parents, that our, 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 our thought is not, we'll take it from here and we'll t- teach them about Jesus. No, we're, our role is coming alongside of you and helping support you in what you're teaching your children about Jesus. So kids ministry is there. Offices and meeting rooms will be back there. Um, Bathrooms will still be over there. If you have to use the restrooms, feel free to do that. but Just do it with our apologies. All right. It's one of the things we know it needs needs a complete renovation. And so that's part of the project. so so as I said, we're going to push this wall about eight feet out to give us a little more room so we can fit about 170 or so people in this space here. Um, we'll have room for 60 to 70 kids over there. Can you imagine if we tried to do kids ministry with two or three adults for 50 to 60 kids? That would be having to to build an insane asylum or a um, (laughs) mental health facility as our next project. So we can't do that, right? So let's all of us be asking God the question, God, do you want me to be a part of that ministry? Doesn't that be every week? But boy, if we have enough people to do that, we can be on a rotation basis. And so all these kids would see personally, there are so many people that love Jesus. So be a part of that. Encourage you. All right, let's go to First John five. As we said, there's been a lot of um, a lot of cancellations and closures over these last twelve months. Have you noticed? I love the signs as I pulled in uh, after being gone for a lot of this week and seeing signs of the restaurants that say, "Hooray, we're open!" Right? I think that's what Legas says. Club Capri has their sign, we're open again. You know, there's exciting because we've been through the season of everything's interrupted. But here's something that was not interrupted by COVID. Childbirth. I mean, Caitlin works in that field and she could tell you people still had babies during covid In fact, in our church family here, we've got two newborns that you haven't met yet because they were born during COVID. and It's not yet good for them to come out uh, yet, but soon they'll come out and the Alamans will introduce us to their little baby and and the Heinz will introduce us to theirs because childbirth still happened. Here's the other thing that's happened. There's been spiritual births where people have come to know Jesus personally and they've experienced spiritual birth because the gospel cannot be chained through disease or epidemic pandemics or or government restrictions Amen. the movement of the spirit of god cannot be stopped Amen. just like you go out there and say oh it's too cold i'm going to build a wall we're going to stop this wind Nope, you can't. You might say, well, okay, my sandbags aren't keeping the water back. Every time there's that westerly or easterly wind, whatever affects you, uh, it, it, it pushes water high. So we're going to build a wall somewhere. Once we get done with the bridge over to Harson's, we're going to build a wall so that the wind... No, you can't do that because where does the wind come from? I don't know. I have really found it. All we know is that it comes. And Jesus said, that's like the Spirit of God. As it blows, you can't tell exactly where it comes from. All you know is that it moves and it happens. And it opens the eyes of hearts to understand things that they didn't otherwise understand. It's called called new birth. Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus. John records it in his gospel in John chapter 3 where Jesus tells Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews, he says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus says, well, you mean I got to go into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, no, you're talking physical birth, birth of the flesh, I'm talking birth of the spirit. That unless you're born of the flesh and the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. John comes back to that analogy In 1 John chapter 5, where he talks about the new birth. The spiritual birth, the new birth, the spiritual birth makes you a child of God. Are you a child of God? I'm not saying did God create you. In that general sense, we're all children of God in that we find our source of life from the Creator, from God. But in the true spiritual sense, are you a child of the Father, a child of God? Have you experienced new birth? How do you know? I can't look at you here and look at these what do we have about 60 people 56 in here as I look at you I can't tell I really can't tell when I sat in the bleachers listening to Algonac band and looked around at that couple hundred parents and grandparents and family and friends couldn't tell which ones were children of God. I sat in Spirit Airline, traveled to Florida to visit my mom, and I saw those other 200 people crammed into that little plane. And I couldn't tell. Couldn't tell who, who, who's a child of God and who's not. So how do you know? John wants us to know. So he tells us in chapter 5, let's look at, look, look at these verses. First of all, he says, you know you're a child of God if, verse 1, you believe in Jesus. Verse 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Of God. Now, this is one of the attacks on the Christian faith that have been coming ever since Jesus came to this earth. Ever since Jesus made that audacious claim that I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, this claim of Jesus has been attacked. Because throughout human history. Humans have been deeply religious. There's been this sense in the hearts of just about every civilization that there's someone greater than us, and we need to find some way to give allegiance to this one. Maybe they saw him in the sun, or in the wind, or the fire, or in water, or in trees, or in creatures, or in mountains, but we, humans kept looking for the greater one. When this was written, it was the Roman Empire. And in that time, the culture had contrived a number of gods, multiple gods. And so you would build these different altars to these number of gods to make sure you covered the right one. Even the emperor began to claim that he was one of the gods. So when the Jews say that, well, actually, there's only one God. His name is Yahweh, and we worship only him. All the cultures around them said, how dare you say that our God is not the true God, only your God. And so they continued to harass and persecute the Jewish people. If you think, why are the Jews treated so poorly? That's essentially at the heart of it. And then Jesus, as a Jew, comes to say, and actually this one true God, you can only get to him one way. And that's through me, that I am the promised one. So that offended a number of the Jews. So here you have not only the pagans, you have the, those that are monotheistic, the Jewish people, offended that how dare you claim to be the one and the only one to the Father. But Jesus and John continued to support this claim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and only by believing in Him can you have eternal life. In this book of 1 John, we see that Jesus is presented as being from the beginning. He wasn't just... He didn't start in Bethlehem, right? Jesus created the world that all the world that was made was made by him, by Jesus, so he was what we call preexistent, that he's eternal. This book claims that he is God come in the flesh, that when he came, he gave himself, he laid down his life, He destroyed the works of the devil. He freed us from sin. He cleansed us by his blood. He forgives us from sin. He advocates for us. He overcomes the world. And he's going to come again. This Jesus. John says, if you believe this about Jesus, you know that you have new life. If you believe what the scriptures teach about Jesus, you can be assured that you have eternal life, that you have been born of God. Now, only the Spirit of God can convince you of that. Right? If you believe that, know that that didn't come just by your human reasoning. That came because the Spirit opened your eyes to that truth. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 14 says a natural man cannot accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned but we have been given the mind of Christ we have the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things given us by God so treasure this if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he has given his life on the cross for your sins, that he rose again from the dead to prove that he is the eternal one. Rejoice that the Spirit of God has blown on you. It's not that there's not historical evidence of this, that Jesus' words are true. It's just that a sinful heart, which we're all born into sin, a sinful heart will push against it. And say it just isn't, it can't be true because for many reasons. One, it would mean that then I'm a sinner and I don't like to believe that. I like to believe that actually I'm better than most people. Just look around the room. Go ahead, look around. You're better than them, right? Sure, maybe not this room. Maybe you have to go out there further. And then you can find someone that you would say, well, see, I'm not that bad. I can't be a sinner. That guy's a sinner or she's a sinner. That's what your flesh will say. But only the Spirit of God would cause you to say, I am a sinner, but God solved my problem by sending Jesus, his Son, to wash away my sin. So if you're Jesus how you define Jesus, which there's lots of ways to define Jesus. Just pick up a recent edition of Time Magazine. You'll see another way to define Jesus. If it does not align with what the scripture teaches, then you can have no confidence that you are a child of God. It can't be the Jesus that we create. It's not like Mr. Potato Head that we say, well, okay, well, I like an arm here and a foot over here, and I like these types of eyes. You can't do that with God. You can't do that with Jesus. We have to accept what he has spoken about himself. But you can choose to trust your own line of reasoning with all your wealth of experience or you can trust the written word of God that has proved itself true and right for all these generations. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ can be assured that you have new life. He goes on. The second part of this verse gives a different, different aspect of that. He says, if you've been born of God, you love God's children. Listen to the verse again, verse 1. Whoever belie- everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Everyone who loves the Father loves God whoever has been born of him. I am Caitlin's dad. Caitlin loves me. And all the Caitlins in the house said, amen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Caitlin loves me. I I believe that because she has told me. She's told me multiple times. She's even shown by how she lives and acts and treats me that she loves me. And I'm so thankful for that. There's been too many times where I felt unworthy of that, but she still loves me. But for her to say to me, Dad, I love you, but that Cece girl, she drives me crazy. She loves hip-hop and dance and basketball and guinea pigs. And it drives me nuts. I can't stand her. I would say, I've got a problem with that. Because I love Cece. And she's part of the family. So to love me affects your affection to those that I love. And I can't believe that you truly love me when you refuse to love the one, another one that I love. God says that to the Christian. To say, here's how you know if you've been born, if you're a child of God, is that you'll love the other children of God. Verse 2 says, by this we know that we love the children of God. You say, well, how, how? Okay, how do we love Cece? (laughs) No, we know how to love Cece. How do we love the other kids in the family of God? Well, we love God and obey his commandments. That's how. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. How do we know that we love the other kids? Because we show love to God by keeping his commandments which is all wrapped up in loving one another and loving him. So John is kind of reversing the order. Did you catch this? He says, we love the children of God. When we show God, we love him by obeying his commandments. We can be nice. We can tolerate one another. But to truly love the other kids in God's family, we have to love God and keep his commandments. He, he kind of addresses two errors that can happen. One error is that we claim to love God, but we're cold to one another. And, and John says, nah, you can't do that. He's speaking to like the Pharisees of the day, right? Those were the people that said they loved God and, and, and did all these ritualistic things to show they loved God and yet they abused people and they took advantage of widows and the poor and such things. Where, where Jesus and John come against that and say, no, you can't. You can't love God if you're not truly loving all of his kids. But then he also addresses another error when he says, you claim to love others, but you don't think you need God for that. These are the secular humanists in our society today. These are the people that are good people, and we know many of them. Maybe there's some that are even here, that you're good and you're kind of tolerating this this Christianity thing for the sake of family or friends or whatever but really you don't need God you're just going to be kind to people and John says no you really can't because all of us will find ourselves reaching a limit of loving others and we can't get past that limit because we're still tarnished by our sin the only way to truly Love God's people is for your love of the Father to be so intense that you love those that are very difficult to love because you love the Father so much. So he says it's, it's, kind, of that, it's kind of that cycle where, where you know that you're born again if you love the Father, but you know you love the Father if you love kids. You know that you're born again if you love His kids and you know you love the kids if you're truly keeping the commandments of the Father. You can't, you can't cut a line and say, well, I'm going to do this one and still think you're a child of God. It says, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, that's been a difficult phrase for a lot of people to swallow. The commandments of God are not burdensome. And then they say, well, oh, actually, they are kind of hard. The commandments of God, you know, commandments to to live sexually pure and to have your your thought life be honoring to God all the time, Uh, it's really hard. To honor the Lord out of the first fruit of all your increase, to say, wow, the first? How about if I look at the end of my month and see if I have some monies left for God? Isn't that a better way? Oh, the commandments of God, they're really hard. In honor preferring one another, That's good when I'm feeling good, but when I'm not feeling so good, I just want my space, right? I want things the way I need them because I'm struggling now. And so, are the commandments of God burdensome? Well, his third reality as a child of God helps address that. Next verse, verse 4 and 5. If you've been born again, you overcome the world. If you've been born again, you overcome the world. Jesus told his disciples, he said, fear not, for I have overcome the world. That's what he said the night he was betrayed. He says, I have overcome the world. Now John says, and actually, because he's overcome the world, we overcome the world. This is how you know you're child of God. It says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There we go, and going back to verse one. This is how you know that you're born of God. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, then you're overcoming the world. Here's a third way you know you're a child of God. You're overcoming the world. What's the world? Well, in chapter two, he clarified the love of the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the, the, um, the appetites, the affections, and the ambitions that we seek to satisfy ourselves with that the Father does not give to us. So the things we want, things we go after, that God isn't saying, here, this is for you. These are the things we say, actually, I think I want this from the world. So maybe it's immediate satisfaction, maybe it's um, things that uh, he said, no, this isn't for you, this will corrupt you. So, uh, so, so loving those things, he says, if you're a child of God, you can overcome. Let me try to illustrate this probably too simply. Let's say, let's imagine, try, try to imagine, guys, that you love burgers and pizza chicken wings, and anything else greasy, right? You just love that. As a teenager, you get into young adulthood and you realize, I can choose to eat whatever I want. So you do. So you keep eating those things. You add nachos and cheese to the mix and chicken tenders and you expand your palate. But all those things is what you pursue. That's what you want. That's what you eat. You get about 50-some years old and suddenly you think, Ah, you go to the doctor and he says, you're having a heart attack. The Im- emergency intervene and save your life. The doctor meets with you afterwards and says, we've got a problem. If you don't change your diet, you're going to die. So we're going to prescribe for you a healthy diet consisting of greens... And low-fat of small portions of lean meat. But we're going to provide you a healthy diet. And he walks out and you think, oh, this is going to be so hard. This is going to be burdensome. Right? Some of you even thinking, eating like that now, there's some that would say, well, of course, you're all catching on. Right? Of course, we're not intended to eat all that junk, but we like it. And to think of not, instead of eating these other things, can be burdensome until you learn to love life better than grease. Until you learn that you love time with your grandkids, And it's better for you to have an extended time with them than simply sitting at the table and eating whatever tastes good to you in that moment. So your love of what's greater becomes your pursuit so that that command from the doctor is not viewed by you as a burden anymore. But instead, it's viewed as a blessing to think that you have opportunity to experience life with these beautiful kids, kids that you can love and enjoy and send home, kids that you can can watch and grow, but you don't have to pay for them, right? This is life as God intended, maybe. This is abundant life. You can experience that if you put aside grease. And you'll find, because you love this more, doing without this is not a burden. And eventually you'll find, I feel so much better when I'm eating this and enjoying life. This no longer has the attraction. John says to us, if you love the Father, and that becomes your passion, And if you live out that love for the Father by loving one another, soon you will see that His commandments aren't a burden. They're a blessing because it gives clarity on how to love one another. And you can overcome the world. I found in my life when temptation trips me, it's because I became one of two things. I stopped believing that this life was better. Or I stopped wanting that life. I stopped believing it, or I stopped loving it. And in my heart crept a desire and a love for what corrupts me. I either stopped believing that He is good, like you sang over and over. Does Eric need to have us sing that chorus one more time? You are good. You are good. He is good. And the world has nothing to offer you. How do you know if you're a child of God? Well, you find that in your life, you find less and less attraction to what corrupts you and more and more attraction to what gives life from the Father. John wrote this entire letter so that you can know that you have eternal life. So you don't have to wonder, so you don't have to go through your day thinking, I hope I'm measuring up, I hope I'm, hope I'm going to heaven. No, that's not what you, how you have to live. Because if you love the Father, if you believe in the Son, and you allow his life to flow through you, you can have confidence that you have eternal life. It doesn't mean you won't struggle with sin, I mean, every day we live in this life, we're going to struggle with sin. That's why he's called us to die daily to the things of the old man. But as we die daily, we'll live in life. His commandments will be a blessing to us and not a burden. And we can live with confidence. So do you believe in Jesus? Have you given your life to him? Have you said to him, Father, I believe. I believe in your son. I believe in his name that through Jesus I can have eternal life. I'm not asking, have you come to church today? I'm not saying, does your you grow up in the church? I'm not saying, are you trying to clean up your life? Nope. Do you believe in Jesus? That's where it begins. Believing in Jesus, then lived out by loving one another. Lived out by overcoming the temptations of the world. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for the effort that you put into clarifying for us how to know that we're yours. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, Lord, that creates in us new birth, for the movement of the Spirit that maybe surprised some of us. It just caught us off guard that we began to think about spiritual things. Lord, thank you for your patience. It took you a long time to get us to this point where we would listen to you, but you didn't quit. You kept pursuing us. And maybe there's some here, Lord, that would say, it's time for me to give in. It's time for me to say yes to the God that I know has been pursuing me. Father, may your Holy Spirit blow in this room right now. Give life. Convince those, Lord, that have been wondering Convince them of that life that you have available to them. And, and increase our faith, Lord, as that faith will overcome the world. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.